Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Leslie and I are going to minister in Honduras for 10 days and thank you for your prayers, not only protection, but that God will be with us and use us in ministering to the people. So our absence is going to be your blessing. So over 20 years, we made 130 guest speakers in to make speaking tours for them. And they made 330 DVDs, most of which are available at WatchProphecyClub.com. So what we're going to do today is play about 30 minutes of one of those DVDs. And what we think are probably the top 10 or 11 DVDs that we've made. And so you're going to get a real treat. These are really good. And you can go and watch all of them at WatchProphecyClub.com. And I... Uh, think if you'll go and check there. We, we, here, here, let me just explain. So Prophecy Club started in 1993. 130 guest speakers, 330 recordings. You can watch them all at watchprophecyclub.com. We sponsored them on speaking tours anywhere from 10 to, at one time, we were having 40 meetings a month. Though no, I did run all of them. And uh, at one time, we had three different tours going with three different speakers. So we were... Uh, at one time, we had about 5,000 people typically every month attending our meetings. And in those days, this was before there were other large prophecy ministries. I think at the time we were the number two prophecy ministry in America, second only in those days to Jack Van Impey. Uh, what we've done is chosen 11, me and the staff, chosen 11 of what we think are the best recordings over the last 20 years. So we're going to be playing 30 minutes out of each one of those recordings. Most of them are two-and-a-half-hour recordings. Some of them are doubles, which would be five hours. Normally, we offered them for $30 per DVD. And yes, if you want to go to prophecyclub.com, you can still get the DVD. And we are offering uh, all 11 of these recordings on DVD for a gift of $100. You can get that at prophecyclub.com. Now let's talk about Watch Prophecy Club. So all of these are put up so you can watch them. And, by the way, we now have an app so you can watch them easily. You can go to Prophecy Club and you can watch the Prophecy Club. Or you can go to Watch Prophecy Club. You can go and watch all of these DVDs. Or you can download our app. And the way the app works is that you can be watching a DVD. And then if you get a phone call, it pauses it. When it's done, it starts playing again. Introducing the Watch Prophecy Club app now available for your Android and iOS devices. Watch Prophecy Club is your exclusive home for the last 30 plus years of the best in Bible prophecy and end times information from the Prophecy Club. This app features over 100 speakers and 23 categories of Prophecy Club titles since the beginning. We are also excited to announce an integrated community feature where you can interact with other believers and Bible prophecy students. Choose either a monthly or annual subscription with a three-day free trial. Cancel anytime. So let's back up and talk about Watch Prophecy Club. It's $20 a month. There's no commitment. You can stop anytime you want to. Or $200 a year. But if you'll put in TPC 2023 right there, you'll get the first month free, meaning you can watch all 11 of these for free, as long as you did it the first month. And if you put in TPC 2023Y, 20, 
you get a one-year plan for $180. You get $20 off. That's a really good deal. <laughs> Never thought it'd be such a good deal. Anyway, normally $30 each, but you can get all 11 of these recordings for a gift of $100. Prophecyclub.com for that. If you want to watch them instantly, you go to watchprophecyclub.com, or the best way is simply download our app. You just go to the App Store, and it's either Apple or Android, and you can download the app, and that is probably the easiest, fastest way, most convenient way to, to watch them. All right, now, let me explain about the meetings. Typically, we would have anywhere from about 100 to the maximum we had at one meeting, which was Dimitri Dudeman. We had 1,000 people at one of his meetings. And so we would have them in a television studio where we could make you nice recordings, nice professional recordings, at least professional compared to those days. Now, we do a much better job today. And today we're going to be listening to my favorite speaker, Henry Gruber. He had an amazing situation happen where he was taken to heaven for six hours. And that's the title of the DVD, Six Hours in Heaven, is recorded in March 1998. Henry walks across flowers, sings the praises of the Father in a flowing robe that sings the righteousness of saints. This 27 minutes of death experience gives comfort and reassurance to the redeemed of the Lord, especially those with loved ones who passed away. He will explain. It's an awesome talk. You can watch the whole thing at watchprophecyclub.com. Today we're going to watch the first 30 minutes of it. It's called Six Hours in Heaven with Henry Gruber. Welcome to the Prophecy Club, where we study and research Bible prophecy. Our topic tonight is Six Hours in Heaven. Now, <clears throat> a lot of folks might say, now, do you really believe this guy really went to heaven? Well, I'd ask you, do you really believe the Bible is true? Because in 2 Corinthians, it says, I knew a man about 14 years ago, whether in the Spirit or not in the Spirit, I really can't tell. Such a man was caught up to the fourth heaven. Or was it the third heaven? I think it was the third heaven. There you go. And uh, so if the Bible's true, then if God can do it then, he can do it today. And I don't think there's a lot of folks out there that people would listen to when they say that they've been to heaven, but I think Henry has earned the right to be listened to for that. So who's Henry? Well, <clears throat> he's been in the ministry for 38 years. He walks cities. Now, what do I mean when I say walk cities? God tells him the name of a city. Money comes in many times from people he's never even met. <clears throat> it arrives in the mailbox for the trip, and he goes to this city. And these are foreign cities, often Wales and England and the like. And he'll get a map, and he walks down systematically every street, pulling down strongholds, loosing the angels to do warfare. Uh, many times revival breaks out after he has walked a city. Matter of fact, he has walked cities, uh, over 200 different cities in about 70 different nations. Now, you have to be able to hear the voice of God to know when to turn right, when to turn left. And as a result of that, I think God has blessed him <clears throat> by showing him a little piece of the other side. And it's only a little small piece of what we're going to one day experience. We get to all spend eternity together. So we help me welcome Henry Groover. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. <laughs> well, now that we heard about my life, I think we better talk to the Lord for a minute and get my heart straightened out so we can talk. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to share the message of heaven. We thank you for the thought of heaven, how great a comfort it brings to us again and again. I can't thank you enough, Father, for Jesus, and that he made heaven possible for me and for whosoever will. So, Father, we ask that in this time of sharing about your home, the place of your abode, your dwelling place, that you would enable us to express with accuracy that which you have allowed me to experience, and that at no time that I would receive the honor or the glory for it, for without you there would be no heaven. So, Father, we ask that your will would be accomplished in this session that this subject would be made clear and plain to each person that hears. And Father, I am fully persuaded that that can only happen if you speak through me. If I have the liberty that comes from heaven, if I'm enabled by your strength, by your accuracy, by heaven's call, to express a little bit of a window of understanding about the realm that we seem to know so little about. We need your help. I need your help. Each one hearing needs your help. I ask that you will anoint the listener and the one that sees this on their television. I ask that you will anoint each one and anoint my heart and my spirit that I may speak forth as of the ability that you give. And again, as I've asked before, but once again, that in everything you might be lifted up and glorified. We ask this in the name above all other names, the name of Jesus Christ our Savior, and our Lord. Amen. Since we're talking on uh, heaven, on the Prophecy Club production, I think it's important that we talk a little bit about what does prophecy have to do with heaven. And uh, in my travels in the last month and a half, I've been seeking the mind of the Lord regarding this particular moment right now. And I've been asking for wisdom. I've been asking the Father to give me something that I could begin as sort of a heading of this. I realize that the title of it is Six Hours in Heaven, and by the end of this you will very well understand what we mean by Six Hours in Heaven. But I wanted it, I felt in my heart it should be kept in the context of, of what does prophecy have to do with heaven? And so therefore, this particular topic was laid on my heart. And I hope to uh, make reference to this again and again in this presentation. And it's this expression, all true prophecy begins in heaven. 
Did you hear what I said? And I underline in my notes the word T-R-U-E. All true prophecy begins in heaven. And it's very important to understand that what prophecy that is birthed or brought forth from heaven will always have the earmarks of heaven. It will bear out the nature of heaven. Now that could be given to you from many different aspects or many different directions. So I want to give to you a little bit of scripture here in beginning to help you to understand the combination of what all can really come from heaven so that you understand that, and we will get into this in the latter part of this recording, but that there are things that come from heaven that you wouldn't expect because you've got to realize the creator and the judge of the entire universe has his throne in heaven. So I want to begin with Romans chapter 1. It talks about prophecy in Romans 1. And in verse 8, it's very explicit and very clear. And I'll quote that to you. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Hmm. From heaven? The wrath of God? Yes. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all. How much is all? It's not a part of, some of, or a few, or a little bit. It means all, against all ungodliness. And that word ungodliness means, in the Greek, ungodlikeness. Which means that God has determined that you and I should take on the nature of His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And the only way that we can come into that realm is to be born of the Spirit, which is commonly known in the Christian circles as born again. And the reason we use that term is because Jesus used that with Nicodemus, didn't he? He said, you must be born again. All right, so the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That cuts across the doctrinal lines of many of our doctrines, and it cuts into the deep of many of our doctrinal teachings, where we teach liberalism. And we teach that it's all right to sin because God forgives. I realize and I agree that it we will sin. But I want us to get something uh, really corrected in our heart, our mind, and our spirit. It is not all right to sin. It grieves the heart of the Father. And anything that grieves the heart of the Father will ultimately affect you and your relationship with Him and His relationship with you. And... Tonight, we're, or in this segment, we're going to be talking about building a relationship with the Father. We must build a relationship with the Father. And by the end of this segment, you are going to understand a whole lot more about the importance of that relationship with the Father. And I believe that it is going to be more precious to you to understand the understanding that you're going to receive from this. So let's read a few other scriptures. 
I have said that if you are a student of prophecy, or you're not, but you want to know the plan of the ages, God's plan of the ages, written out in three consecutive chapters, I could ask you, is there anybody here that knows what three chapters those would be consecutively? Well, let's just turn and uh, go to Revelation chapter 19. They give you the consummation of the plan of the ages. And this 19 is like a, the, the consummation of God's judgment with the wicked and the introduction of God's dealings and righteousness with the righteous. The fulfillment of both. In other words, the cup comes up full of iniquity, but also the cup of righteousness comes full. So it's important to consider this. All right, let's go. Verse 1. Let's see this prophecy that is coming from heaven and see if it earmarks heaven, if it has the traits of heaven in it. Revelation 19, verse 1, And I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Huh? That's the atmosphere of prophecy? I thought prophecy only came in the presence of a solemn assembly. Let's read on. Look at verse 2. Here comes prophecy. The fulfillment of prophecy in the previous chapters. The great whore is judged. The harlot that controlled the earth is judged while in heaven there is great rejoicing and praise and honoring and glorifying the Lord, the harlot, the great whore, is judged. Verse 4, we have another scene. The twenty and four elders are falling down before the throne and worshiping. So sandwiched in between one and two is this expression of praise worship and adoration. And yet the fulfillment is taking place down on the earth. Now look at verse 5. Another praise gathering takes place. And there are those that are praising Him, both great and small, while the fulfillment of the plan of the ages is taking place. Many of the Materials that are offered to you on the Prophecy Club tell you about these events and how they are being fulfilled. Some people have difficulty over these materials, but I would say to you the explanation I always give is to think about it this way. Jesus said that we are to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. What does it mean to be wise as a serpent? but harmless as a dove. It means you are fully aware and alert of all of his tactics, right? And another expression that he gives. He gives a warning that that day does not take you unaware. So awareness of the signs of the times is a vital part of you and I walking in victory. It is of utmost importance to the Lord that that day does not take us unaware. So therefore, the only way to be educated to this is to allow yourself to be exposed to the understanding of these events. 
Now, if you say, no, it's too violent, then you realize how much of the Bible has violence in it? Do you realize how much violence there is when God says it is enough? Whew. Samuel told Saul, utterly slay all. Everything that moves and breathes, men, women, and children, and animals. Why? Because the entire part of creation in that area was defiled, was totally defiled. On the way to uh, this recording today, I was informed. I don't scan the Internet. I had no idea of this. But I was informed that you can literally come across in scanning all manner of sexual expositions, even human beings with animals. And I said, no, I don't believe this. How could we allow such a thing in America? It tore my heart out to hear that, and it still troubles my spirit to think that teenagers, children can get on, and I've, my little children, my little grandchildren at three years old, I can't do what they do, but somehow they get that computer going. They put a game in there, and they can drive a race car on the computer. They can play games. I don't know how to turn the thing on or turn it off. What would it be like if at their age, you know the next step is to get on the Internet, and you don't put a blocker on that Internet and they get into that, and then you wonder why your child is having all of these problems. Look what he's exposed to. Do you see what I'm saying? The danger of it. The danger of it. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that this is pleasing to God? Do you believe that a nation that not more than a decade ago a man landed on this soil from over in India, he was called the disciple of bleeding feet. Every year he would walk over the Himalayas, I think it is in India, uh, the Andes, the Himalayas, and down into Nepal, or Tibet rather, sorry, Tibet. And he would preach the gospel and would be tortured and the Lord would send his angels to rescue him, and he'd go back over. He was coming to America. He was excited about it. And as he got off the plane in New York to go through customs, he came through customs, and, and someone was to meet him. He was going by a newsstand, and he saw all these pictures of magazines on the newsstand. And he turned around, and he tried to get back on the airplane. And he said, no, I'm not in America. I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to the Christian nation. I'm going to the nation. They all worship Jesus. I'm in the wrong country. What an indictment against us. He couldn't stay here the full time he was supposed to come and minister because he said everywhere he turned, there was too much evil. Oh, what an indictment. Well, we must get on. I won't leave you in heaviness. We'll end dancing from the rafters, so to speak, not literally. But I believe that you will be lifted up and encouraged. But let's read on here, verse 6. After this great praise gathering of verse 5, verse 6, a voice thunders, exalting God. Verse 7, the plan of the ages, that if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, this is your hope.
This is your hope that maketh unashamed. We'll talk about this tonight when I talk about getting up in heaven and walking on the streets of gold. We will really cover some detail about this verse. Verse 7, for the marriage supper of the Lamb is come. Oh, I want to talk to you and tell you about the preparation for this event in heaven. Then how about verse 11? Here comes the Lord riding on a white horse, his vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. Verse 12, there's a description of him as a mighty warrior. Verse 16, the Lord of lords and the King of kings is his name. Verse 17, a great angel making a decree to round up all of creation for the great day of God's judgment. Whoa. Do you mean to tell me in that one chapter there is literally the identification of all of that kind of fulfillment? Yes, it's right there in chapter 19, and a whole lot more is in that chapter. But the reason that I have given this to you is to help you to understand the earmark of heaven that all prophecy begins, all true prophecy begins in heaven. Now, obviously, at the January time of the year, when you go through a, any kind of a store, here's all the tabloids. What are they always reading? So-and-so's predictions for 1998. You see what I mean? And they're psychics. They're all kinds of people that are giving their predictions. Well, here's the prediction. The Word of God is so clear. If somebody's hungry to learn about prophecy, tell them to start in Revelation chapter 1 because it says it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it says in there, Blessed is he who readeth. Readeth. It doesn't say you're blessed because you understand, but it says you're blessed because you read. Just read these prophecies and you'll be blessed. Then it doesn't take long until you get into some heavy things that is difficult for you to understand, but then just jump back there to chapter 18 and the judgment of God on the world government system. The beast and his making everybody, try to make everybody take their... uh, the number and the judgment of God on them because they worship their merchandise, starting with jewels and gold and silver, down to the last thing on the list after wood and, and hay and stubble, slaves and the souls of men. The last thing of value of this world system is slaves and the souls of men. I'm not telling you something that isn't in here. You can read it in Revelation 18. So if you have a tendency to say, prophecy is all gloom and doom, yes, I assure you, except for the Lord Jesus Christ, it is gloom and doom. But it is the judgment of God on the wicked that's gloom and doom. You need to understand that from the perspective of Psalms 2 and Psalms 37. All right, let's go ahead and move forward. I want to begin telling you some of the areas that God began to prepare my heart for heaven. You know, there's got to be a preparation to go to heaven. You you would not be comfortable in heaven if you did not have some preparation. 
The, one of the uh, men the, that I just made reference to, Sadhu Sundar Singh, called the, the Disciple of Bleeding Feet in India, had this vision, and I, I've never forgotten it. I've really appreciated it. He saw the death of a philosopher, the death of a drunkard, and the death of a child. And he said, the philosopher, he said, the, the angels of the Lord came and bore the child away when the child died, and the child went to heaven. The drunkard went to hell. He did not know Jesus. He had not been born again. The philosopher had said in the vision to the missionary when he tried to witness to him, I will take my chances. You tell me that this God is a God of love. If he is truly a God of love, then he wouldn't send anybody to hell. So I won't repent. I don't need to go through this ritual of born again, so forget it. And then he died. As he died, he was plunging down into the abyss, and he screamed out. And uh, Sadhu said in his ears he could hear the, the ringing of his voice as he screamed out and said, I knew there's no God of love, for if there was a God of love, I wouldn't be going to this awful place. When all of a sudden, a voice spoke from the heavens above, and two angels came down like lightning and caught him and brought him up, as the voice said, bring him up here. And he was set in front of these beautiful gates. And the gates opened. And Sadhu said, I was inside, and I looked at him as the gates opened, and I saw his face. As all of a sudden his face lit up, and this look of expression on his face, See, I told you I wouldn't need to repent, as he ran into the gates of heaven. But the moment he got inside, he began to crouch down, covering his eyes and looking around and, and trying to say, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Where's the gates? Let me out of here. I'm not ready for this holy place. It's too pure. I can't stand it. And he made his way, stumbling, and ran out the gates and plunged off into hell, screaming, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. I'm not ready for this holy place. That taught me something very valuable. Many people say to me, if God is a God of love, then why would he create such a horrible place as hell? Say to you, the word of God says it was never made for anyone in mankind. It was made for the devil and his angels. But if you take sides with him, then you have chosen his allotment. Well, then, does God send people to hell? No. They couldn't stand heaven just as that man. If he allowed them to come into heaven, they would want to leave just as that, and they would flee from the holy presence of God because their uncleanness would not be comfortable in the presence of pureness and holiness. And that's what we want to get into and talk about and help you to understand about heaven. But first, I want to begin by testifying to you the first experience that I had going into the heavens. And as uh, Stan gave the introduction regarding the man that he knew that was caught up into the third heaven, or fourth heaven, I forget which one it was. Now, fourth heaven. All right, there are many levels of heaven. Do you realize that uh, uh, descriptive-wise, heaven begins six inches above your head? <laughs> All right. So there are heavens, right? And in Corinthians, it speaks of the different levels of heavens, of the celestial, the terrestrial, and all of these realms. 
So I want to talk to you more of the area in my first trip to heaven about the celestial heaven. And I believe that is the realm in which we see the planets, the sun, the moon, and the stars, the planets, and uh, the solar systems out there that we can't identify yet. Some of them we call the area of the Milky Way, of which they believe there could be hundreds of thousands of solar systems in the Milky Way. So in that experience, I had to die to have it. <laughs> And it wasn't a pleasant experience. I, I have to tell it to you this way. My wife killed me. <laughs> I could ask you for a show of hands, but I won't. When I go, went to Japan the first time and was speaking before a, a large group of people uh, across from the Emperor's Palace in Tokyo, I said, how many men here have a wife that killed them? And the interpreter shot off the interpretation why, I thought I was going to lose half the congregation right there, or half the group of people. They looked at me with such shock. I says, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Let me explain that. <laughs> Lest you think that in America we are totally violent people. <laughs> it was in an, in an automobile accident. And uh, she didn't mean to. She loves me too much. But uh, she was a vital part of getting me back to life again, too, okay? It's one thing to have a wife that can kill you. It's another thing to have one that can believe God to resurrect you, all right? <laughs> we were in a van, my wife and I, and eight of our children. And I won't give all the details. I don't have time. I have many materials I want to get into, so I'll just scan quickly across the situation of the accident. But except to say that that night I had been driving all night long, our eldest daughter had given to me for Father's Day a tape by the Gaithers called Fully Alive. And uh, this will help you to date it. Back in 1984, I think is how long ago this happened. Yes, 1984, Father's Day. Isn't it wonderful to go to heaven on Father's Day? God does all things in order, you know. <laughs> I was on my way to see the Father on Father's Day. Well... I had driven all night and it was getting that just dawning time when it is so difficult to stay awake and so I pulled off the highway up in the mountains of Northern California, the big mountains, and said, honey, uh, my head is dropping and uh, I don't want to go off a cliff. If you will just simply uh, drive for an hour, I'll be refreshed and uh, I'll be able to go on for four or five more hours and you can have some more sleep because she had worked for a straight 24 hours getting eight children ready and... Uh, her and I, to go down to Phoenix, Arizona from Portland, Oregon for a wedding, our second daughter's wedding. Well, she took the wheel and I crawled in the seat behind her, which was a full seat. The front was a full seat. Our 10-year-old was at her right hand up front and she was driving. She had the headphones on. She wasn't buckled in. She has always hated seat buckles and thinks it's an infringement upon her rights of free moral agency and choice. Uh, <laughs> we won't get into that. Anyhow, that's my wife's politics. We'll stay away from it. But it wasn't a law yet that you had to be seat belted uh, in Oregon at that time. We understood later it was in California. But uh, none of us were buckled in. Obviously, how do you buckle up when you're laying across the, the, the seat sleeping? So I wasn't buckled in. It'd be very uncomfortable trying to strap yourself in. But I wouldn't have been planning this anyhow. None of you would have planned what I went through. <laughs> You just don't make plans for those things. They happen. But um, I got into the deepest sleep because I was sleeping so good. Right behind me was three of our, our boys. 
And then in the very back of this 1970 Volkswagen, laying on blankets and pillows, were four of our youngest children. And uh, all of a sudden, I was awakened with her crying, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Now, we always do that anytime there's an emergency or any sudden fear. She had just flown from Portland back not long ago, just before we went to England, and uh, they hit into some turbulence. She had been going quite long hours with the grandchildren and visiting and was tired, and so she was asleep on the plane as it hit some turbulence. She was awakened by the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus coming out of her own lips. She heard the sound of her own voice in her ears. And in her sound sleep, she was saying the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And she shook herself awake and looked at the man sitting in the seat beside her. And he was kind of giving her the strangest looks. And, <laughs> and she said she just kind of smiled at him and he kind of grinned at her. And she said, I thought, well, I think I better go back to sleep. And <laughs> so this is how heavily programmed this is in my wife and, and me. Uh, any emergency, the slightest thought of a deer coming in the road, a bird or, or any animal or any person looking like they're going to come out in front of me, the blood of Jesus is the first thing I think. Why? Why? Ephesians chapter 2, you're a far ways off from heaven, aren't you? But you're drawn nigh that quick through the blood of Jesus. We're drawn to the throne through the blood of Jesus. And if you want your petitions known instantly, it's through the blood. So she was crying, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And something was banging under the van. And I couldn't figure what it was. And I was trying to get out of this sound sleep. And I made myself sit up trying to get my eyes open. And... Uh, She's always said, well, honey, if you'd have just stayed laying down and praying, you wouldn't have got killed. Today, we live in unsettling times. Have you ever wondered what you're going to do when food is no longer on the shelves? I'm Leslie, owner and founder of Joseph's Kitchen, and I want to show you how to make healthy, homemade, whole wheat bread for only a few hundred dollars a year. At Joseph's Kitchen, our ingredients have been packaged for immediate use or long-term storage. Go to josephskitchen.com or call the number on your screen to order today. Don't get caught unprepared. Go to josephskitchen.com now.